0: Several years ago, there was a movie that was made that you might recognize that featured a cowardly lion, a tin man, and a scarecrow and featured a young lady who got misplaced out of Kansas and On her adventure, she got lost and found this journey that brought her along with these three companions and uh, her dog as well toto i believe his name was and there they were longing to get back or there she was rather longing to get back to kansas and her red slippers that were so uh, famous from that film which i believe you can still see in a museum somewhere and uh, this film i often didn't like to watch it because i thought the flying monkeys were a little too much for me and uh, had dreams about them too many times but there was something that Dorothy would say throughout this film that stuck with me and is a phrase that really is more spiritual than I think that they ever realized when they made that movie and she said this phrase as she was longing to get back to Kansas and maybe you would know what it is going to be there's no place like home isn't that true there's no place like home we all have different senses of home, what home is like. Your home is different from somebody else's home. And even though you go in somebody else's home, that doesn't necessarily feel like home to you because it's not your home. It doesn't have all the comforts and the things that make your home home. It doesn't have the the coffee pot exactly where you want it to be, and it doesn't have the spoons in the, the exact spot that you have it to be, or to have the weird quirk in the steps when you walk up it that makes a sound that makes you feel like, you know what, I know it's weird, but it makes me realize I'm at home. All the things that make up home. And you know, there's a difference in the English language, the semantics of a word, of the word home, compared to house. You can live in a house but not feel at home. And it's the same way as well that you can feel at home but not be in a house. And this is an interesting thing that shows us that each of us, as one philosopher studied some years ago, that we all have basic needs of, of, as humans. And one of those is that sense of security, sense of being physically provided for. And that's where a home is. That's what a home does. A home is a place where one abides or one dwells that provides a sense of comfort and sense of safety and security. A house can usually be seen with the eyes, but a home is a felt experience that speaks to one's emotional and spiritual state of being. And you know, the Bible talks a lot about home as well. And it's one of those themes that uh, you really have to get in the airplane, go about 30,000 feet, and take a look over all scripture and see. That the chief message of the Bible is really these two words, Come home, come home. You can almost go through every book of the Bible and there is some type of message that is calling people to leave their sin, to leave their junk and to come back home to the place where God's presence is. And this morning I want to talk to you about looking for home, looking for home. Whether we know it or not, all of us are longing for home. And some of us, this might even bring some clarity because there is this sense of dissatisfaction deep within. And we wonder why, why can I never feel at ease? I'm always going to this thing or that thing. And there's always the sense of looking for what I call home. And I believe what the Bible calls home. The Bible shows us this, beautiful story in the book of Genesis that we see here. This garden that was created, the Garden of Eden, a, uh, may we not be mistaken today, a perfect place. A perfect place. And the sad reality here is today is that none of us yet know what a perfect place looks like. But Adam and Eve did. And they were given a choice. And through the cunningness of the serpent, they were led to disobey God and tried to become God themselves. And so the Bible tells us through scripture in Genesis three twenty two, that the Lord said, see, the humans have become like one of us, knowing good and evil, and now they might, not re- they might reach out their hands and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent them forth from the garden of Eden. Watch what happens here. Remember, they were created to be in the garden of Eden. And the Lord, because of their disobedience, because of their act of sin, they were sent out from the Garden of Eden. till And they were sent out forth from the Garden of Eden to till the ground from which they were taken. He drove out the humans. And at the east of the Garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim and a sword flaming and turning to guard the way to the tree of life. This was the moment that they were Basically, because of their sin, they were evicted from home. Now, this wasn't God's choice. This wasn't God's desire. This was what Adam and Eve chose. This is what humanity chose to sin. And therefore, they were kicked out of the place that they were created to be in forever a place called home. So, therefore, this thing has happened since Adam and Eve, that humanity has always had a longing for home. There's always something in every human. doesn't matter what their background is or where they come from. Every person, there is always a longing to be in a place of sense of security, a place of love, a place of comfort, a place which really was intended to be the Garden of Eden, a place called home. And the whole delve of scripture following Genesis 3, this story here, is God beckoning his people to come back home. Turn away from your sin and come back home. Immediately before this even happened and they were kicked out, a word was established that there's going to come one. His bruised heel is going to bruise your head, Satan. And he's going to make a way for these people to come back home again. And it's only through the blood of Jesus, the sacrificial death of Jesus, that we will soon commemorate on Good Friday. It is only through him and through his blood that the entrance was opened and made to every sinner who would turn from their sin and repent to come back home. That's the only way. There is no other way. Notice here that he put a cherubim and a sword, flaming to guard the way to the tree of life because sin is not permitted in the perfect place. It would no longer be perfect. Sin is no longer permitted in the place where God created to be. This loving abound of relationship with him. And the only way back into this place called home, as we see through the rest of scripture, is through Jesus Christ. For Jesus himself went on instead He's, notice here he says, guard the way to the tree of life. And Jesus would later say, I am the way. I am the way. So there's this thing inside of all of us that is looking to come back home. That there is no place like home. And we're going to go to look at our main text here this morning in Revelation chapter 21. And this is an interesting text to look at when we're talking about home because here we go look at the very beginning of Scripture and now we're going and looking at almost the end of all things, the culmination of all things. And I know it's not often that you hear text preached from Revelation and one of the great tragedies of the... The mystery around Revelation and the discussions around Revelation is it has caused us to be more skeptical of the Word of God than embracing the promises that Revelation gives us. And that is what you're going to see today, is that there are wonderful promises for you and I, especially about this place called home. And while there are many debates and discussions about how things are going to unfold and all of that, that is not what John was intending to do, was to give us some type of code to try to decode so that we could understand. What he was trying to do was to speak to believers who were stuck in persecuted times and a mess and give them a sense of hope again that there is a place called home that was made for you and I. And so we're going to read this morning in Revelation 21 verse 1. He says John speaking, this is after all the events in Revelation have happened. He says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. This is that uh, wonderful promise that we see that we're about to read where heaven is now coming down to earth and what is called in scripture, the new Jerusalem. The earth has been renovated, has been purified, and now heaven is coming down to earth. It is the physical manifestation of what Jesus taught us to pray. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And here John is witnessing just that. And he says, I saw the holy city. The Take note here. He doesn't say the old Jerusalem. He says the new Jerusalem. And for the people who were listening to this, Jerusalem, remember, was home. was the place that they had been kicked out of. It was the place because of persecution. The Bible says that we see at the church of Antioch and many others, they were scattered all over the earth. And so Jerusalem is the picture of home. It's the picture of where my address is supposed to be. Coming down of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, watch this, see, uh, this is just, this has become just one of my most favorite verses in all of scripture in the past six months. I have just dwelled upon this, thought about this so much, and it has given me such hope, and I hope it will do today. See, the home of God is among mortals, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his peoples. And God himself will be with them and be their God. And here's that wonderful promise we love to quote. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. And for the first things have passed away. What a wonderful thought to think about the home of God. The home of God. The home that is... John tells us that there's going to come a day where the new Jerusalem is going to come down. A place where all believers will dwell with God and God will be with his peoples. And it will be the crowning reunion of all of our lives. But we see something more here as we look into this a little deeper. That when you consider the greater scope of scripture, you always get the picture when you go back to the Old Testament. And when you see this picture of the temple. The temple was always the place where God's presence would come and dwell in that place, that God's presence would descend and fill the temple. But we see here that when John describes the new Jerusalem, something interesting happens. He doesn't talk about a temple anymore. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us later on in Revelation 21 and 22, he says, I saw no temple in the city. Why is that? For its temple is the Lord God." the almighty and the lamb at the time of this writing john was writing remember we talked about this a couple weeks ago at this time that john was writing in a time of persecution and a time of when the temple had been desecrated by the romans and a time where the temple had become a publical, a public spectacle of the ridicule of jerusalem because of how it had been desecrated, because of how it had been abused by outsiders and insiders. So no longer was there to be a temple. Now John was giving them this picture of what he saw. There's no temple there. Why? Because God himself is the temple. That God's presence is the place where God's people will dwell and live forevermore. It is the reminder that we see today that John's descriptions of the home of God are the reassurances that the early believers needed and inspired them to persevere. Not to persevere for the fallen temple, but to persevere for the presence of God, which is God's home. The city does not need a temple because the city itself is full of God's presence. And John understood that principle, and his vision was not intended to be understood through faulty earthly comparisons, but through the excitement of the establishment of something fresh, new, and marked by God's presence himself, a place called home. We see here that home in the new Jerusalem is not just a city. We see that it's not just a place with just, you can read about it in Revelation 21. Wonderful spectacles. Our eyes can't even comprehend the type of things that John's writing. But we see nonetheless that the thing that really makes the new Jerusalem home is God's presence. God's presence is home. This is why when people talk about with coming to the faith or they talk about coming and being among the believers and they gather in churches, I often hear phrases like, I just feel at home. I just feel like I'm right where I'm supposed to be. That's not an accident. As a matter of fact, that's biblical because we feel at home in God's presence because that is where we were intended to be forevermore. And the new Jerusalem is really just the truth is just a statement of truth that God is calling us to his presence, calling us to come home to himself, calling us to dwell in that beautiful place that is his presence looking for home. This is why people run here and there and everywhere trying to find and fulfill the satisfactory needs of their soul. But there is no satisfaction for our soul other than God's presence himself. The Bible teaches us that we are a temple of the Holy Spirit, and God's presence was intended to dwell in us. And that is what we were intended to be, is dwelling in a place called home, God's presence abiding with us, and it is the place that you and I were made to be forevermore, in the presence of the Lord. The New Jerusalem is just the picture of the fact that the home of God will come down, and it is the physical manifestation of God's presence being the home of His presence. It's the physical manifestation of Psalm 91 that the Lord will hide us in the shadow of the Almighty. It is the presence of the Lord. It is the place where you and I were created to be now and forevermore. And there is no place like it. There's no place like it. So a few things we can learn about home even now, right now, how we can experience home right now in our lives through this picture that John gives us that one day we will experience and these words don't even do it justice, but we can understand a few things about this place called home. The Bible says that when he talked about, when he just saw this place called home, the home of God coming down to earth, he said, and I saw the holy city coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband, and I saw in the voice from the throne said, the home of God is among mortals and he will dwell with them. You know what makes home feel like home is really this is like the chief thing that makes home feel like home, and that's love. We feel at home when we are in a place where we feel loved. And that's, that's true of all of our homes, that home makes us feel comfortable there because we know that we're welcomed there by our family members. We're welcomed there by those who are gathered in our home, that it's love being reciprocated. It's love being given, and it's love being reciprocated. And this is the same truth about the presence of God, that home is the presence of God, and it is a place of love. It's a place of love. We will discover... All of us here today, wherever you're longing and looking for in life, can I encourage you this morning that you will discover your true place of belonging, the true place of feeling loved in God's presence. There are so many people in our world who are chasing after the sense of love. They just want to feel love. They go to this thing and that thing. If it's not this, this substance, it's this relationship. If it's not this relationship, it's this other bad habit. If it's not that, it's another. And it's always trying to find the satisfaction of feeling loved. But we see once again in Genesis 3 that the place where Adam and Eve found their best life, was before they were cast out of the garden. It was in the place where God's presence was among them, walking through the garden, a place of love. God wants you to experience his love. God's love is not just something to talk about. God's love is meant to be experienced. If love was only meant to be talked about, but never meant to be experienced, then how would we ever know that we are loved? And that is what the Bible shows us, that yes, we know, for God sent his son, Because God loved us, God so loved the world that God sent his son. But there is also the sense of you've experienced the love of God, washing away sins and new life coming in. And it's a place of being accepted. That once you were cast out, once you were no longer accepted. But now there's a place of welcoming the sinner who turns from their sins and comes back home. And God calls that place home. And it's a place of God affirming his love over our lives. The new Jerusalem is God's home because it is the place where the bride and the groom shall live together forevermore. The bride being the church and the groom being Jesus Christ. And it is God's home because God desires the people and the people desire God. It's love. It's love in action. It's love at work. And it is the perfect description of what happens of the picture of the now, even the church at work on the earth. It's the picture of people coming in from all walks of life to the family of God, being welcomed from whatever background there is, and there's love being given. There's love being, uh, being pushed out to a people that we don't even know, strangers, but it's the picture of the home of God, that you might have been a stranger, but in God's presence you are welcome, and it is a place of love. The second thing we see about the, the home of God is that it is a place of life. The climax of John's writing on the new Jerusalem and God's home is the fact that he will dwell with them. He will dwell with them. The Bible also goes on to tell us in Psalms that at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. You can go on and on and read about the promises of what it means to be in the presence of God. And this is the picture of John encouraging the church. Because remember, John is talking to a church that is going through difficult times. They're being persecuted. And so what is happening day after day in their lives? There is mourning. There are tears. There is sorrow. Our brother has just passed away. Stephen was just stoned. Our brother and sister over in that city, they just were killed for their faith. And there is this constant sense of grief. Although there is perseverance, there is a sense of grief And so when John is beginning to proclaim about God's home and about people being welcomed there and about the fact that it's a place where there will no longer be tears, there will no longer be death, there will no longer be crying and pain. It's the reminder that God's home is a place of life and all of the tragedies of mankind because of sin are no longer permitted there because God's presence is there. It is the reminder to the, the church that is during the strong hand of Rome that God's presence is the thing to strive for. That in his presence is life and fullness forevermore for you and I. And the possibilities of what it meant for these early believers that there was going to be the absence of sorrow, pain, and crying made the new Jerusalem, made heaven, made God's presence a place to long for. It wasn't just something that was a fairy tale to them. It was something that John gave to them because now it was their hope that one day we're going to make it to a place that there is no longer any of that there. I'm not going to have to worry about is so-and-so going to be killed for their faith. It is going to be the fulfillment of life. It is going to be the place of life. Death will no longer have dominion there. God's presence will there, and it is a place of life. And it is true even so now that where God's presence is, there is life. Where God's presence comes, there is the bringing up from what was dead to make it alive once again. And that is the beautiful fact of the resurrection of Jesus that we're gonna celebrate in a few weeks is that the resurrection of Jesus gives us the hope that dead things can come back to life. That God, that things that were destructed by sin can once again be restored through God's creative restoration power through Jesus' death and resurrection. And it is the message of hope that there is hope for you and I, that death does not have the final word, grief does not have the final word, but Jesus' presence, God's presence is home, the place dedicated for you and I. And even so now, it is true that God's presence is love and God's presence is life designed to fill our lives. The Holy Spirit working through us, designing to help us to love others, designing us to regenerate us into new life. It is God's presence at work even so now. God's presence is a place of love and life and it's home. It's home. Nobody wants to go a home where there's, there's death. That's not what God has designed. A home is a sense of security, a sense of comfort, and that is what God's presence has been. The New Jerusalem is the is the home of God, and the presence of God is the home of the believers. Your home in God's presence. It was the message to Adam and Eve: you're outside of God's presence; you're no longer at home. Please come back home. It was the message to the wandering Israelites through the desert: you have you have disobeyed God; you have gone off at your own sin. Please come back home. So God even went to great lengths to say, you know what? We'll establish a tabernacle here where I'm going to let my presence come in. It's going to be a picture of the Garden of Eden. There's going to be walls around it and only so many are permitted to go inside. But it's a reminder my presence will come down. My presence will come down and be with you. Come home, come back, come make things right once again. It was the picture of the prophets to return to the presence of the Lord. It was the picture of Jesus and John the Baptist proclaiming, Retent, repent and turn for the kingdom of God is at hand. It was the message to all of us today to come home. It was the message of Jesus and he would bring all of this really to a beautiful picture in Luke chapter 15 as the musicians come. Luke 15 tells us the story about a, a son who, like Adam and Eve, was given a great wealth of possessions, was given a place to live in, a place where everything was handed to him. Everything was there. Everything was right there for him, just like Adam and Eve. But he made a decision, like Adam and Eve, to leave home, to take all that he had been given and abused it, neglected it, squandered it, ended up living in the muck of sin. Uh, Figured literally with pigs. But the story didn't end there. The story didn't end there. Jesus kept proclaiming and tell them. But he decided that when he came to his senses, that he had to, watch what the Bible says, he had to go back where? Home. And as he made his journey back home, the Bible says that he saw his father running to him. And What did his father do? It wasn't, shame on you, get out of here. No, it was, bring him a robe, bring him a ring, throw a feast for him. We're going to show him this is a place of love and a place of life. And the one who had left the presence of God, who had left home, who had left the presence of his father, guess what happened? He was welcomed back. He repented. He was welcomed back to come home. And it's the picture of the story of the prodigal son. It's the picture of this. Yes, it's the picture that all sinners are welcome to come back through repentance through Jesus Christ. But it's the picture as well that home, God's presence, is where we were meant to be all along. You can go and live whatever life you want to live. God gives you that privilege. You can choose whatever life you want to live. God's not going to stop you from that. Just like the father didn't stop that son. He gave him, gave him all his wealth, handed it over to him. Go ahead, cheers, whatever you want to do. God gives us all that privilege. But there has to come a point where we realize, am, am I home in God's presence or am I home in sin? And we know sin is no home to live in. It's destruction. But home is God's presence where we were meant to be all along. This thing happens when Jesus is preaching one day and he began, the disciples begin to talk about home. Once again, this, this subject comes up, home. In Mark chapter 10, the Bible says Peter spoke up and I, I just, this story just touches my heart every time because I just see Jesus' love in response to Peter's response. He says, Peter said to Jesus, we have left everything to follow you, Jesus. We've given it up. We've left it all, we've abandoned it. And we know that to be true, the Bible tells us that Peter, they dropped their nets and they followed him. They left their careers, they left their families, they left it all behind to follow Jesus. But watch what Jesus does. He gives them the wonderful promise, Mark 10 and 29. He says, truly I tell you, no one who has left home, an earthly home, or brothers, or sisters, or mother, or father, or children, or fields for me, And the gospel will fail to receive not just a little bit, but a hundred times as much in this present age right now and in the age to come. You know what Jesus is saying? I know we all have homes. We have people that love us and welcome us there. But when we take up our cross and Jesus knows that it calls us from our earthly homes. And we leave behind the passions and the dreams that we thought we were going to take up. We leave behind the families and the relationships close by that we thought we were going to have. And we follow Jesus. We leave it all and follow him. Jesus says it's not in vain. For even now, there's a reward for you a hundred times over. Not just now, Jesus says, but in the age to come. And I just can't wonder to think if Jesus was referring to that wonderful place that John would describe. That home is God's presence. You feel like you left home, but you don't really know what home is until you get to that place. In the presence of God forevermore. Isn't it wonderful that God has designed a place for you and I? We were created with it. You can ask psychologists and doctors. It's built into us. Our brains We're longing for love and life and where it is found and where it will be satisfied no matter what happens in this world or in our lives is in the presence of God. God desires that for you today. And his call is to you if you're looking for home, come home to his presence. Come home to him. He's welcoming you. He's not waiting at the door to condemn you. He's waiting at the door to love you. That's Jesus' response. Will you stand with me this morning? Every eye closed today. Dear friend, can I just petition with you for a moment? I love you in the Lord, and I'm so grateful for you. I'm so grateful for your life and who God made you to be. And can I just petition you for a moment? Whatever life has done to you, I know it's hard, I'm sorry that happened to you. But can I just petition with you for a moment? Don't let the enemy make that a wedge between you and home. God made you to live in His presence. That's what He wants for you. Yes, life is hard. Yes, we make dumb mistakes. Yes, that happens. But it doesn't change the fact that God is still calling us to come home. If you have strayed away from Him, wandered away from home you're longing for love you're longing for life you're longing for something more but have not been able to find it can I just encourage you this morning call on the name of Jesus for he loves you and he is life and oh he is just welcoming you and waiting for you to come home petitioning and begging you come home my child come home Please come home, please come back to my presence. That's where I've made you to be. Come, come. And this morning, if that's you, can I just petition you today? Would you just call Jesus? Say, Lord, I'm sorry. I've drifted away from home. Something has distracted me, something, I don't know what, but something has got in my way and blurred my vision and has caused me to lose sight of home today I want to come back to your presence. That's where I was made to be. Would you just ask him this morning, just take a moment right where you're at today. Just ask him. Jesus, I want you to be. Maybe you need to just tell the Lord, Lord, I'm sorry. Just like that prodigal son, I squandered it all. I I lived in a way that I shouldn't have lived. I'm sorry, Lord. The Bible says that If you've confessed your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our unrighteousness. Even that one thing you haven't told anybody, he'll forgive that. That one thing you think God can't forgive, he can forgive. You confess it to him. Come home. Come home to Jesus today. He's waiting for you this morning. Lord, this morning we we confess, Lord, oh God for the times that we have strayed from your presence, Lord. We've left that place that you've designed for us, home. God, forgive us today. Forgive us of all of our unrighteousness, Lord. We repent, Jesus. We repent, Lord, today. And Lord, now we're longing to come home, Jesus. Oh God, we want you today, Lord. We want your love to come and cover us again, Lord. Father, if the enemy has robbed us of a sense of what it means to be loved by God, may you restore it today, Lord. Lord, if sin has caused us to think in such a way that God doesn't love me, Lord, today, may you renew our minds in Jesus today, Lord. And God, may you open up your arms to every sinner that calls on your name today, and we come running to you, Jesus. We want you today, Father. We don't want to be distant from you, Lord. We want to come near to you, Jesus. Lord, help us today to draw near to you, and you will draw near to us, Lord. Help us to live in that beautiful place, your presence, Lord. Help us to dwell and abide in you, and you will abide in us, Lord. Oh, God, we thank you this morning today. We're looking for home today, Jesus, and it's in you this morning. It's in you, Jesus. This morning you need prayer. You need Jesus in your life. Can I just encourage you? Please come this morning. There's no shame in coming and asking for prayer. We want to pray for you this morning you just need a sense of God's help in your life. You'll need to turn from your sin and look to Jesus. Just come this morning. We want to pray for you today. You're dealing with something in your life today. Can I just encourage you? Come seek the Lord this morning. Seek his presence today. Seek him while he may be found, the Bible tells us. Come this morning. Come, Lord Jesus. We're looking for you today, Lord. We're longing for you, Jesus. As the choir comes, we're going to sing this song prayer come this morning please we want to pray for you.